fear causes hesitation and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Point break next. All right, everybody, welcome into episode two of the Movie Goat podcast. And today we have an action classic 1991 Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Point Break. But first, as always, we got to say hello to the boys, Brian and Brady. Brian, how you doing? You do a little uh, rest and relaxation on the beach this week? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I'm doing well. I got some rest and relaxation down in Duck, North Carolina. Nice point break. Um, didn't actually get to surf. The waves were a little too crazy, but did some fishing, ate some good food, hung out with my parents, which was good. Um, yeah, feeling feeling pretty good. Awesome. Brady, how you doing? What uh, what'd you get into this week? Anything good? Well, you know, coincidentally, I was uh, to, to, to bring a full circle, I was watching this movie in my living room. I got a roommate. He comes in. He's never seen the movie before. He sits down and then he tells me two days ago he tried surfing for the first time. And because I live at the beach, I live in Charleston. I was like, why? I, I got to get on the waves. Never been on the waves. This movie, uh, we'll get into it. I'm inspired. I think I might have to be, become one with water. We'll see. I mean, someone should tell him to stick with it because surfing's the he's into the way, man. Uh, it's the source. It's the source. All right. So last week we did Top Gun Maverick. That was my choice. And then this week we went over to Brian and we got Point Break. So Brian, tell us a little bit about what Point Break means to you. First time you saw it. How many times have you seen it? Why was this your draft pick? One one, your first choice, and then we'll kind of get into a, a little bit of some of the casting and a little bit of the background on the show. Sure. So, uh, I mean, this movie just means a lot to me. I would say I've probably seen it seventy times. Like I've seen it a lot. Um, it's a good movie to have on the background. You know how like sometimes you go into like a casual bar or something, and they're playing like surfer videos, like just in the background with some reggae music. It's kind of the same with this movie. Like I pop it on, put it on in the background. Um, it just brings me so much joy. I think the quotes are so much fun. I think the acting is so much fun. I think everything about it's great. On a personal note, um, <laughs> I would say like, it's pretty funny. My, my brother loves this movie. He's a little bit older than me. So he, he got me into a lot of these like late eighties, early nineties movies like this. Um, I would say for about, a year straight if you looked at our text messages it was just point break quotes back and forth and that was pretty much the extent of the entire conversation the other personal thing i'd say about point break which is kind of funny um the <laughs> my first date with my wife um we went we got mexican food and i unearthed that she had never seen point break so after mexican food we went back and watched point break um, so it's almost like, uh, it was like a rite of passage for our relationship almost. She had to watch Point Break and she actually picked up on some things in the movie that I hadn't seen after seeing it dozens of times. So that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I absolutely love it. I love Keanu. I love Patrick Swayze. Last thing I'll say, if you've never seen the movie Youngblood, it's fantastic. If you consider yourself a hockey fan at all. It is probably the best hockey movie. I put it ahead of Slapshot. I put it ahead of Mighty Ducks. And it is Patrick Swayze killing it. Rob Lowe co-starring with him. 
And Keanu Reeves actually is in the movie. He has like two lines. So this was not the Point Break was not the first Reeves Swayze movie. It was actually Youngblood. Um, so a little trivia for you, but also a movie to check out that that kind of turned me on to Point Break because I love Youngblood so much, too. I love that. And so, Brady, uh, Brian kind of alluded to it there with uh, this is early Keanu, you know, Youngblood's just his little side part. This is after Bill and Ted's, but not a lot really there. Well, Did you know, it's funny at though, the time I think that Keanu had the juice to be an action movie star and carry a film. Well, well, when does Speed come out? Does Speed come out before this? No, Speed's after. No, speed's it's speed's after. after. So, yeah. is it would this be his first? Like, because I know he's like in, River, yeah. he's in the River's Edge, which is a really good like '90s, sorry, 80, late '80s grunge kind of movie. Um, but it was, you know, it was funny though. Before we get into the Keanu at all, I do have to say, uh, th- this movie when I first saw it back in the day, I probably saw it on like USA Network or something. I liked it, but didn't really think about it. But it was uh, you, Brian, in college. So, like, just for frame of reference, Brian's like, what are you like, two years older than me? He he was big on the movie. It kind of got me. I was like, yeah, this guy's so into it. I got to re- re- circle back to it. And that rewatching and revisiting, it's kind of opened my eyes on it. I was like, I just thought it was like really solid, but not to get ahead of like what I think of the movie. But I will say. I got to give you some props on that because I was, I was one, I wasn't a true believer yet. I mean, I have to say the same for myself, Brian, your love for this movie is infectious. And I think that that is just a great sign of any movie in general. If someone has this much passion for it, then there has to be something there. And I remember many times just at the, at the house after a couple beers, just, you know, breaking down scenes and, uh, you know, you definitely opened my eyes to a different version of this movie as well. Um, no, yeah. so now, no, but now we can now we can get a little into the Keanu. Now I, I brought up the the filmography. It's interesting because it, I'd say Bill and Ted's was a big, big hit when it came out. I feel like then this year, so nineteen ninety one, he has Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey come out, which is the very interesting sequel, and also My Own Private Idaho, which is a really good kind of indie movie from Gus Van Sant. But this definitely was like his moment, I feel like, because then he gets cast in Bram Stoker's Dracula by Coppola and people people are out on him in that movie. But because he like he sounds like Keanu and it's like the 1800s, but <laughs> it's kind of it's like, you know, I have a thing. If you have charisma on the screen, you have charisma on the screen. It is what it, but I feel like what you guys what do you guys think about this? I feel like when we were growing up. Keanu was a bit of a punchline for when people would say a bad actor, they would refer to Keanu. And I remember like when I was like probably in middle school, early high school, I was kind of like, yeah, he can't really act. He doesn't he doesn't emote well. But now I'm like, no, it's he's a movie star. That's what it's all about. Like. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I mean, there's nobody like him. I, I often bring up comparables on this podcast, but the truth is, like, I don't know how to describe it. I get offended when people say he's a bad actor, to be honest. Because like you watch him in these action movies like like The Matrix or even, you know, John Wick. And he just has a delivery that only Keanu has. And I think when he was younger, it threw people off because his voice like almost like it's like his voice. It's the way he delivers the lines that I think people were like, he sounds kind of like goofy, maybe. I I don't I don't know. And I, I can see where they're coming from. There are definitely scenes in Point Break 
where I'm like, okay, he sounds kind of ridiculous there. But at the same time, like he's so magnetic on the screen for some reason. I think the more and more I analyze it, I think it comes down to like accessibility in a way because he feels like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Like I think he's an amazing actor, but he feels like, like another dude, like one of my buddies, like what it would be like if he was acting and kicking ass while acting, you know what I mean? Like it's, and I think it all comes down to his vocal delivery that, that people kind of have that perception of him. And it does bother me because I, I think he's terrific. I think he is one of the greatest entertainers like of the last 20 years on screen. And I don't think he's a bad actor at all. I think the punchline is always Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage and Paul Walker, rest in peace, sometimes got that treatment too. I think all three of those guys are like, if they're in a movie, I like, I'm inclined to go see it because I love watching them on screen. And I don't think they're bad actors. I just think Sometimes they deliver lines in a way that can get made fun of. Like when you people when you brought Nick Cage, this this is a point I often make about Nick Cage um, because I think there's people certain people think that you judge an actor by how if like are they a chameleon? Can they do what Christian Bell Christian Bell does where he can transform into anything? Versus a guy like Jack Nicholson who just does Jack Nicholson. Sean Connery never changes his accent. He's playing a Russian and Hunt for Red October, and he has his Scottish brogue going. And I think, like, same with Nicolas Cage, Keanu, no movie is not more interesting when they're in it. When they're in a movie, nine times out of ten, it's more interesting than somebody who's better fit for the role or who could do an accent, who can, you know, pull things off like that. So that's kind of the way – and I, I think I was a little bit more um, pretentious when I was younger about it, too, even just in general, the way I approach movies. That's why, like, now, like, when I see a point break, I don't know <laughs> – so, so that led me into my first little bit of research that I did for this actually was uh, there were two actors that were up for the role of Johnny Utah before Keanu. And they're more accomplished guys, at least at this point in the career. And I want to get you guys take on what kind of movie it would be if it went to one, Charlie Sheen, or two, Johnny Depp was the other guy brought up for Johnny Utah. There's more too. And I, I mean, I'll just throw them out because Val Kilmer was considered, and this one throw this one I think would have been a bad idea. Matthew Broderick was also considered, which is just really oh. strange. Yeah, that's the only one that really had the re- the the flares popping for me. <laughs> I mean, really, I Depp, I I cannot see Depp doing this, man. Yeah, neither can I. I well, like, like nine, but you gotta think ninety one Depp was different. He had a different vibe to it. He was kind of the cool guy. Edward Scissorhands um, Depp. 21 Jump Street. Um, I feel like he takes it way too seriously. And that's like why we love Keanu because he can get to this place. Well, this is why I will say like, so for instance, like you almost want like a Matthew Broderick almost makes more sense. Not from the, I'm a college football star sense, but like the idea that Johnny Utah is from the middle of America and he's like, I like the California surfer dude voice like Keanu. I don't know if that makes total sense, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because allow it you know it doesn't it works i've heard that catherine bigelow had a lot of say in this i'm sure she got pushback from the production company they were like bill and ted you want the guy from bill and ted to play this action character I think was james, did james cameron produce this correct he was an executive yeah. producer on it the least that was her husband yeah so yeah. and they made some great movies together yeah um, 
But I, I just feel like I'm sure that people were like, really, you're going to use the guy from Bill and Ted, you know, because he hadn't really had an action film yet. Um, true. But yeah. They saw something, obviously. And I, I think they obviously made the right decision here as you look through these casting what ifs. If I had to pick one out of that group, you know what I think could have worked? I would have actually used Charlie Sheen as Bodie. I think he would have been a good Bodie. But I don't think I would have moved Keanu. And I love that's not a knock on Swayze because Swayze was perfect. I don't want to remove Swayze. But that's the only thing that would make sense to me here is like maybe Charlie Sheen as Bodie. I think that like early aughts, mid aughts, Charlie Sheen, like the Tiger Blood era, we see like how weird that guy can get. And <laughs> like maybe late platoon where he's got the headband on and he's just really out of his mind. He could have worked as Bodie in this. I think you're right about that. I mean, and that's not to take anything away from Swayze. Listen to this four movie run by my guy Swayze. And then I have a wild Swayze story to tell you. It's actually probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But Swayze in this period goes ghost roadhouse point break, dirty dancing. Brady, how's that? How's that for Mount Rushmore? It's pretty good. That's a pretty good run. I'm going to, I mean, I'll ask it now. Is this your favorite Swayze movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dirty Dancing is terrific. Ghost this, is terrific. Is it this is Swayze's best performance? I this he's actually is, not on the screen that much. I, I don't think it's his best performance. It is my favorite Swayze movie, though. I don't know. I think favorite Swayze movie, but my favorite Swayze performance is Dalton in uh Roadhouse. Oh yeah. There's just something about him, man. You know what? I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. I think this is going to sound weird. I'm just going to preface that. But I think peak physique, like what I would strive for if I actually took the gym seriously, is Swayze in Dirty Dancing or in Point Break. It's like he's ripped, but it's like a low-key ripped. Like you can picture him as the guy in Roadhouse that just wrecks everybody with that body, but it's not like he's just a meathead or something. Like he, it's it's like to me is like the ideal physique. I love it. it yeah, it's, it's almost like when you watch like a movie with Schwarzenegger or anyone like that, even especially modern day, like where the Marvel makes you like become huge and massive on steroids or whatever. And just like, you can't be a normal person because you have to live in the gym three hours a day. His physique seems attainable, even though it's not attainable because it's like the yeah. perfect physique. <laughs> but it seems realistic. Like, yeah, he's an athletic guy. He surfs a lot. Yeah, he's fit, you know? Yeah, he's yeah. got this swimmer thing going where it's like a thin waist and the broad shoulders. And, you know, it's, it's, he's got the swimmer physique. He needs to do that paddling out on the board. And, I mean, Brian, this is right up your alleyway. You're going to bring up the guy's body, but not talk about hair in this movie. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, Swayze, I was, I was admiring it again, even though I've seen this movie so many times. I was admiring it this last time. It It, it is so borderline mullet but it's not like i don't know what they must have like used salt water or something to like curl it and tangle it up a little bit it's feathered i don't know and i don't know if just feathered do you have to get it cut a certain way uh, but it, it's definitely like some magic some magic that you can't do anymore i don't know it's like I I we don't know we lost the technology we can't replicate that hair anymore it don't it's but it's weird because it's not just like a long hair to your shoulders kind of deal it's like it's like a poofy kind of mullet, but like to the point where it's definitely not a mullet. It, it's hard to describe. It There's a scene where, he's, where he let, they let Tyler go and he's walking to the um, 
to the getaway van when they like land in Mexico and the wind blows behind them. And it's like, I, I literally said to Emily when I was, when we were watching it on Friday, I was like, watch Swayze's hair right here during this scene. It's so funny. Like it, like the wind blows and it's like, it's the most unnatural, strangest thing I've ever seen, but it's also so beautiful. It's like only his hair could pull it off there. And I feel like if, if someone like me, I, I have blonde hair. If I tried to grow my hair out like that, it looked like Gar Garth from Wayne's World. There's just no other because he has like straight down bangs and it's like long in the back, but he just looks really cool. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I mean, if I grow that out, it's a mullet. But for him, it's not. He finds a way to make it not a mullet. And I mean, before we get into the plot, last thing, I, as we said, this is a, a male-dominated cast. It's a pretty hyper-masculine movie. To have the director, Catherine Bigelow, I feel like that's a, a pretty important thing and, and pretty impressive. I think she's crucial in a way that, like, they, a lot of, like, film criticism will talk about uh, the male gaze and how movies are shot from the, like, to please men. But she shoots it in a way where she knows Keanu's hot. Like, the scenes where he's lying in bed and, like, with black silk sheets. There's multiple scenes where he sleeps with his sheets only up to his waist. And she's like, she's like, these are hot dudes. And we're going to film them hot. And then she also, even like the way she films the first time we see uh, the Tyler character, when she's like changing out of her bathing suit into um, her je like uh, jean shorts and like you putting a towel around her waist. I don't think a guy would even know that a girl does that to change. Yeah. But it was like the, the, the level of detail that I think she brought to it. And on top of being one of the great action directors of all time, she knows how to shoot an action scene too. So you, you combined all that. That's what I think makes this movie stand apart from a lot of action action movies of, of the same era, which also don't pass the smell test as, as well as this one for the most part does. Some of it, well, the ending a little bit. I don't know why she's in the negligee at the end, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I think I've heard people say mixed things about, about um, Lori Petty in this movie. I thought she was terrific, honestly. I, I feel like, she even says in one of the scenes when they're one of the best scenes of the movie, when they're around the campfire and she's like too much male testosterone for me here. And then she like goes <laughs> to the beach. Right. But like, she's, she's very kind of like, I don't know, like she she's not like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, she is like tough and awesome in this movie and like fiery. And I, I think it's, I think she's really great in it. She's strong. She seems authentic. Independent, and you know, she's, obviously been around the crew for a while now and she can stand up to Bodie and some of the other guys that are like Roach that are in this crew and to the point where she's extremely standoffish to Utah at first does not want to teach him at all and then you know eventually falls for Johnny's fabricated you know sob story and, and comes around a little bit but I think she is she's a tough uh exterior with a nice sweet interior and i think she's a very well-rounded female character in a movie full of raging alpha males <laughs> yeah 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 um, i think yeah i think she I, at the end of the day you believe that she lives in this world and they have this crew and you also do believe her relationship with keanu reads as believable for like how it's so rushed and all that i think it's yeah you're right i don't think she gets as much credit as she probably should for this movie yeah. Well, with that said, uh, do we want to get into some plot points? Let's eat. All right, Brady, kick it off. All right, we start off little John. The first time we see Johnny Utah, which is it the greatest character name in the history of movies? 
possibly. It's like they somehow even did like because you after Tony Montana, you can't name a guy after a state, and they do it and it works. Because and I and I don't know if you can ever do it again. Like you can't have like t- like Buck Alaska or something like that. I don't know if that plays, but that's Brad all to say. Nebraska. <laughs> no, it's hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a mix. It's a mix of Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana is what it is. But I mean, one of the another fact about this movie that's kind of funny, the movie was originally going to be called Johnny Utah. That was actually going to be the title of the movie. And then they switched and they wanted to call it Riders on a Storm from based on the Doors song. But then they, they were like, well, this movie has nothing to do with the Doors. So, <laughs> so actually, they filmed like half the movie before they actually settled on the title um point break which is kind of interesting but i think that's why johnny utah is such a bold name it was actually originally going to be the title of the movie that's why they went so bold with it i will say and like don't want to step on the plot toes real real quick though you could tell a little bit during the party at Bodie's house that they filmed it with riders on the storm still potentially being the name of the movie because that felt like a 1974 party it did not feel like a 1990 91 party there were a lot of psychedelic looking outfits and flowing type dances and people that looked like they were on acid and everything like that. It was candles. It, it was psychedelic. The candles, there was someone like doing a little flame throwing action or uh, flame, <laughs> flame tossing. I don't know, but yeah, that Utah is I, the number one character name of all time. Yeah. And I believe I generally speaking, I don't like movies that are, the title of a guy like a, the name of the main character but that would have kind of worked because it's such a bold name like you're saying but also like point break is a perfect title even though it really doesn't make that much sense like they just found a surfing term that sounds cool and it works it's a perfect title <laughs> yeah. for the movie you you, you yeah. don't you wouldn't want any other way but so basically we have johnny utah he's a young dumb fully come as they as they uh <laughs> highlight him um and he enters in. Uh, what's the name of the actor that he uh, runs John into? Mc- the guy who introduces him, John McGinley. John McGinley, from- who absolutely kills it. I mean, you're a real blue flame special, huh, son? I mean, he he just absolutely kills it. And then Keanu firing right back at. I take the skin off the chicken, sir. Like <laughs> it's the intro. Just like I'm in it. I'm already in this FBI office. Like this. Like we're in we're in the bank robbery division. Like so quickly, and it it just kicks off so well. Like, it was weird, because he's, like, playing, he's, like, like you're saying, he's really agreeable at first, and then you realize that he's kind of mocking him back, and then McGinley realizes he's mocking him back, and then he's, like, ah, and then they go back and forth a little bit more. It does great. You understand the Johnny Utah character to a T within 30 seconds. Yeah. Yep. And so then they, then we get to our guy, uh, Angelo Pappas. When I think Greek character actor, I think Gary Busey. <laughs> Him showing up and they're like, he's, it's just a, like, this is what I realized about this script. It's the little things where they're like, we want an excuse to have him blindfolded while he gets introduced to his partner while doing something that they actually do. They do actually get the bricks from the bottom of the water, right? Why? And like, but that's a thing. I don't know. I've seen it before. I, I watch YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I feel like it's a thing they do, but it's funny because, like, he intros him, and he just, you know, he's some punk kid. He's, like, complaining about him, and he, like, hey, what's the Keanu's first line to him? He's, like, oh, I'm the punk kid or whatever. 
and oh, then no, he's, he he's like blindfold. He's like, it's bullshit Pump. how they make that happen or whatever. Like, you know, talk, he he pretends he's that like the shit they pull. That's yeah, what he says. Yeah, the shit they pull. And then he, Quarterback. Yeah, then he, when he shakes his hand, lifts him up, and then he they're immediately like shakes his hand, and they're like boys again. Yeah, <laughs> like it's sick. And then Angelo like, does a backflip into the pool. <laughs> yeah, which rules. Sea World kid. Yeah, which he, so yeah, welcome to Sea World. Which then intros in. So now we find out. There's a gang that have, they've done either 23 or 27 bank robbery, bank heist, and they wear ex-president masks like Reagan, Jimmy Carter, uh, Nixon, and, and Johnson. And they net yeah, and Johnson, and they never go into the vault because that takes too much time. They're in and they're out like in under two minutes, and no nobody no nobody has any leads. No one knows where to get it, but we find out Angelo Pappas has a theory that everyone's making fun of him for. And it's that surfers are robbing them. Now, what do you guys think about his theory? That like He knows it's surfers because they only they only rob during the summer, I guess. And that means like they're following the waves around the world. And the carnauba wax. Yeah, so, wax. <laughs> yeah, they find the wax at the crime scene. And there and was wax experts. Wasn't there also the sand? What's that? Yeah, there's sand, sand carnauba wax, and then the tan lines when he moons the the video. The yeah. thank you. you no, know, I mean, pretty good detective work. I, I like if if he was sitting down in my office and said, "Here's my theory," I'd be like, "You know, that's pretty good. We don't have any other leads." It's great because like you get why they would all the other agents would be like, "You're a bozo," but at the same time, you're like, eh, "It kind of holds water when you think about it." Yeah, and then a scene where Keanu you... pulls it out of him too. He's like, "Well, since you're not in the box yet." Why don't you tell me this theory so we can get these guys? And then he tells them, and then they're just boys. Five minutes later, they're eating Chinese food, crushing beers back at the office, and they're jumping up on tables talking about the endless summer. So it was like, see know, the pimple popping line. What's the pimple popping line? He says, "Well, that's way later. The, the pimple popping yeah. line is 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 later." No, that's how he pulls it out of him. That's when he gets him to say, "Like, tell me your theory. Let's go get these guys." Yeah, no, there's two. There's two different pimple popping lines. <laughs> there's one there, and then there's one that he fires at John McGinley and punches McGinley in the face. And that's the last we see of him, but that's later in the movie. Yeah. So my whole thing with this part was um, two things. When we see the first uh, ex-president's robbery, I marked down that I love the fact that they're so efficient, but at the same time, they have the time to make jokes. Like, you know, like the I'm not a crook, and like oh, we've been robbing you guys for years. 90 seconds won't like hurt anything or anything like that. They're, they're making jokes. So these guys are just true pros. And then I loved to get like on a little bit more of a serious plot note. The Usually you'll see like the, the cop who's older trying to teach the young kid a lesson. And in this one, it obviously was just Keanu almost like slapping Busey across the face, being like, wake up, man. Like, you know, he's the one who's like, get mad. You're still alive here. Like, let's do this. Like, I don't care how crazy your crackpot theory is. Like, I'm here to ride. And I love that because it also, it again, it shows what kind of guy Johnny Utah is. He's someone who takes things to the limit. And we see that right away. Like, whether it is his work or his football in a past life or the surfing eventually, he's going to take it to a limit. And we he's going to get no a little... hesitation. Yeah, can we get a little Busey corner right here? Because I, because when he says, this, I think you realize that QC's, uh, Q, uh, sorry, Busey's offering on another level 
than maybe we've seen in other movies when he does like a, well, well when the the pimple pine well, I I had buddies dying in case all face down in the mud and all that. Yeah. You're just like, whoa, he's out he's operating on another level. Then Keanu starts yelling at him and like Busey's elevating Keanu because I feel like we never saw Keanu act like that in his previous work either. He's not like screaming like that. He's had some more like dramatic roles, but I feel like they both elevated each other's game, just like, like the way you're saying. Like, Busey's the young act, the older actor, Keanu's the young buck, and they're both like meeting each other in the middle. A couple of things about Busey to 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 touch on touch on here. First of all, I he's a good actor. Like he's he's good in this. Like there's there's I have no criticisms with the way that he handles his character in this at all. And my second question is, where the hell do you find the shirts that he wears throughout this movie? He's got like these like light blue shirts with like these funny like eighties like almost look like a like a I don't know, like a, a rug you would see in like a party city like I don't even know how to describe it it's it's amazing but he's got like three different color combos with it going on and it they're the best shirts that I've ever seen I love Keanu shirts in this I I was actually commenting on it when I was watching it you're you're giving Busey some some fashion hype I really like Keanu's like early nineties grunge thing going jeans and like the coolest flannels I've ever seen buttons yeah. like four buttons unbuttoned and all that here's yeah. a nineteen ninety one question for us. Multiple times we see Busey smoking a cigar inside. Was that Gucci back then? I feel like I know cigarettes a little bit more free flying, but like cigars are like have a little bit even more of a punch than cigarettes, right? <laughs> I, I think it's different in a police office. Like I think if you're, I do. I think like they they show the cop office. They're all drinking Coronas and slamming. Like there's three bottles of Jack Daniels. The that's, but that's him and Busey because they don't follow the rules. Because McGinnis. Uh, McGinley is it McGinley McGin- McGinnis or McGinley? He's like, we run a clean office. Nobody drinks, nobody smokes. And Busey's like, now nah, we're drinking beers, we're smoking. I think that's tenure. Yeah, Pappas gets to do what he wants, man. Pappas does get to do what he wants. So now, like, uh, we've already we kind of covered um, meeting Tyler just from our previous conversation about it. We do have the kids say like, it'll change your life when he buys the surfboard for the first time. Great. So scene. I like how they make a point to say he's doing it off the clock. He's learning how to surf. While covering their other cases, because this isn't their only case, which I want to see like that side movie, like what 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 like things are falling through the cracks while they're focused on this. <laughs> but then they we get introduced to Bodie. So obviously him and um Tyler, they're having a moment, it's getting romantic for the first time. And then we see Bodie come out of the water. He's like, like he's the Bodhisattva. You know, he's like the he he's the, the Buddhism things going on for him. Later, he does say, like, we'll see, I'll see you in the next life, stuff like that. Because he knows everyone else says, like, I'll see you in hell. He's like, I'll see you in the next life. So, yeah. yeah. Quick, quick thing about meeting Tyler, I just have to mention, because it's it's amazing. We haven't talked about this yet, but um, when he goes to Tyler's work and tells him tells her the story about his parents that he made up and everything like that, he goes and she's working at Neptune's Net, which is a little diner on the side of the road there. That is the same diner that Dom Toretto and Brian Earl Spillner go to in the Fast and the Furious. Uh, no way. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing, amazing call out. And the other thing is Keanu Reeves orders uh, tuna on wheat in Point Break. Brian Earl Spillner always orders tuna on white, no crust. So it's a total call out to, to Point Break, which I appreciate. Like, I, I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan. It is a... I don't want to say rip off, but no, it's a straight rip off. There's nothing wrong with it. It works. Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely works. It, it, they stole a lot of ideas. Well, I don't want to say stole. They used a lot of ideas from Point Break. <laughs> and, but I appreciate the fact that they have a call out back to Point Break in multiple ways in this movie. But the fact that they go to Neptune's Diner and in I both mean, movies or Neptune's Net is just amazing. And then, you, I mean, did you notice what beer they were drinking in the police office? Corona. Corona Extra. Yeah. It's like they Good always call. were drinking in Fast and the Furious. Good call. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we meet Bodie and they go straight into, I don't want to be bold to say, is it the greatest sports scene in the history of movies well, okay. period? I'm, I'm, I'm giving it all. That's what that's, it goes straight from Bodie to there. I know, but we have to preface this with, we swear this is our second podcast. We did not plan to do two movies that have beach football scenes <laughs> in the first two episodes. This is purely coincidental. We don't have a beach football issue. No, I got a I got a beach football <laughs> a fetish for sure. But I'm watching like I've never like I I feel like you guys maybe I've never played like an incredible game of beach football. I've like brought the football out and tossed it with the fellas, but I don't know if I've ever gotten to like full contact tackle football. There's something poetic about it. There so, were yeah, at no. least 16, 17 people on that beach playing there was an offensive and defensive line there was no like five mississippi rush people were coming off the edge this I've was thought, a football game yeah yeah and i've thought pretty deeply about this too you've got beach volleyball there have been pro beach hockey leagues there have been like beach versions of sports i don't know how like there's been so many failed like xfl usfl all these can we get a pro beach football league like and like maybe it's no pads and it's like you know a little like you can't get as much speed on the sand so maybe it's a little safer they don't even have to wear helmets like i don't even know how it would work but like i think that would be incredible if we had a pro beach football league based on what i'm seeing in these movies it it sells and i have played some pro not pro i've played some beach football myself (laughs) and i (laughs) And I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm here for it. Dude, I know. I, I, the one thing I texted uh, the fellas when I was watching it, the only thing I texted was this this game does start out with a hook and ladder, which is an incredible <laughs> way to start a, a football scene. And also, I have a theory. This is what I just came up with was like anytime you have a scene where people are on the beach and car headlights are illuminating the scene. Oh, that's yeah. there's always an x factor it, do, it doesn't matter what's going on like jaws opens up that way i feel like there's just like if you have headlights on a beach a little fire you gotta have a little fire somewhere giving a little ambiance to it yeah because like okay this is a good question for us was johnny utah out of pocket for tackling Bodie that hard into the ocean because they were ready to throw down like all the fellas came up yeah i mean there's no sidelines in in beach football so i mean he it it you know, you get to the ocean and you kind of say, all right, that's enough. I don't know. It definitely was over the line. He definitely was a bit of a tryhard for that. Do you um, think Bodie was trying to swim to the end zone? Like, if he just keeps going further out, he can just – there's no there's no sideline. He just goes on forever. He catches a barrel into the end zone. Just this is the best part. Like, so do you – okay, tell me this. Do you think that Bodie – oh, like, he, he knew from the jump who Johnny Utah was? Or did it take him – Getting tackled because the implication is I didn't. Once you tackled me, that confirmed that you were Johnny Utah, the quarterback. That is, that is one thing that's a little questionable, and I always feel like I'm poking holes and stuff. But like this guy, if he was the ex quarterback at Ohio State and didn't go to the NFL just because he missed his window because he had years of surgery, um, 
he'd be zipping it around and people would be like, dude, this guy can play football. Like people would be asking him like, yo, dude, like, did you play in college or something? You know, but he's not playing quarterback. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was. He was a cute. Yeah, he was zipping it around. He's a left. Zipping it around. I I, I don't necessarily know. Like that guy. They showed a couple instances of him throwing the football and Keanu actually has a pretty decent release. Yeah, he's um, left-handed too. That that's what I I noticed right away. I was like, oh damn. The fact that he runs Bodie down leads me to believe he threw a couple picks at Ohio State, and he's just kind <laughs> of used to that that program just running people down. But then this led me to my ultimate question, maybe about this entire movie, is what kind of surfers are we dealing with here? Because obviously we have like the crank dealing surfers. We're gonna get to in a little bit, but. Bodie knows that Johnny Utah was all conference at Ohio State. That's literally what he says. This is the all conference quarterback from Ohio State. And then someone else, one of the other boys, maybe Roach, is like, Oh, yeah, you guys beat SC in the Rose Bowl two years ago. Like, are these guys <laughs> skipping out on surfing to go? Also, they're supposed to rob banks in the summer so they can travel and surf all winter. Are we supposed to believe that on New Year's Day? Roach was tuning in from uh, Indonesia to watch the Rose Bowl. Dude, you got to keep in mind, this is pre-internet. If it was on TV, people were watching. Everyone's watching. You got your Sports Illustrated. And so if he is like some Heisman candidate uh, face, pseudo-celebrity people would recognize, is he not the worst possible person to go undercover? (laughs) <laughs> this this movie, uh, what I like about this is it's a, it's a the movie doesn't work if you have the internet because everyone would know that he joined the FBI or something. You know, there would be like more follow ups. I feel like back then you could be a college football player, and then how would anyone know what happened to you? You know what I mean? I that, there's a level that of just my, anonymity. That was just That's my true. Piece. Uh, and they talk about that in Fast and the Furious when he says Brian Earl Spillner sounds like a serial killer. And then he even says to him, like his whole rap sheet of boosting cars. And he's like, you can find anything you want on people on the internet these days. And when he says that, when that movie came out, that was like innovative. It was like, oh my God, you can like look people up on the internet. It was a big deal. And this was well after Point Break. So I think Brady's got a good point there. I think it really kind of bums me out when I, you know, I don't want to be like the guy, like the old man shaking his fist at, this, at the guy. But like when you see people using a computer in movies like this, where it's like they still got like the black screen, green text going like that. It's almost like the, not the internet was a mistake, but like computers should never have progressed past being like really good calculators and like spreadsheets. I feel just, like as databases, like the, those those are cool, but I feel like I don't know. I just like look back at what my life could have been if I didn't have like Twitter or something to distract me, like the things I would have done. Just uh, there goes all this ninety four. It peaked at DOS ninety four. Windows 95, it was perfect. We got to Windows 95, like, you had, like, cool computer games. Like, you're playing Minesweeper. That's, like, the most time you can waste on a computer. Yeah, I mean, I talk about this all the time. Um, What era do you wish you grew up in? And it sounds like, Brady, you wish that you were born at an earlier time period. I'm the same way. Like, I wish I was in, like, college or high school when this movie came out. I wish that, like, I was in early college or high school when, you know, like, Woodstock was starting and like Lollapalooza had these crazy set lists and like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and then you've got hip hop. Like 
Tupac, Biggie, like all this stuff was coming out of that time. It would have been way better. And technology wise, you're not dealing with like amazing internet and all this stuff that we have today. I, I, I miss those days a lot. I feel like Gen X, people sleep on Gen X. They had things going for them, like, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's weird because they they, they kind of got skipped out. I mean, they, that's their complaint, right? They're like culturally kind of like forgotten. It's like they skipped the millennials. It's like millennials and baby boomers and now Gen, Gen Z and like Gen X is kind of just like, well, what about us? And it was like, they're the last generation that was like selling out is the worst thing you can do. And now it's all about selling out, which I'm not like, you know, whatever, go get your money. But it's kind of sick that they were like selling out is the worst possible thing you could do as like a band or like a, you know, an actor or things like that. Yeah. Any future uh, sponsors for the broadcast, we are completely down with selling out. Disregard the last 15 seconds. <laughs> we can, well, I, I, I'm saying I'm not Gen X. I wish <laughs> I'm ready to sell out. I wish I could. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm a different breed, I guess. Um, no, but let's I, get, I'm like, let's get going. child. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're getting. we're moving into War Child and the and the boys. All right, so, so he here's my if you bring a switchblade into the ocean, does it work? <laughs> like and and also like after you disconnect his board from his ankle so he can't surf the rest of the day, is that not bad enough? You have to follow him into the the shower with four of your other bros to to beat him up. Dude, like, these people. If your nickname. If your name is Lupton Pittman, nicknamed Warchild, I like this this is par for the course. And I love when he cuts his cuts the uh cord off the off the board and he's like, stay in the valley, man. Like it's it's so perfect. It's so good. Well, it's all about the uh ter- surfers are territorial, which is always like like you know, shoebies, whatnot. No, you you just made a great thing I never realized. Do they say that Warchild's name is Lupton Pittman? Or yeah, is it just do. in the credits? No, Patrick Swayze says it when they're leaving the fight scene. Yeah. And he asks him, like, who were those guys? And he's like, the one is Bunker Weiss, the one you dropped. And then the other one is Lupton Pittman, a.k.a. War Child. Dude, and also, I was like, I'm too jazzed up from the War Child interaction. We're cool at War Child. So let's, yeah, back off War Child, seriously. <laughs> I do want to talk about this fight scene a little bit, though. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, can we start it at the beginning where, he punches him in the ocean. You know how hard it is to get momentum to punch somebody in the ocean, especially with <laughs> waves coming? That would be the sloppiest punch, and Keanu acts like it kind of knocked him out a little bit. And this is a theme throughout the movie that we're going to see is Keanu gets beat up by everybody. I think he might be the worst hand-to-hand combat cop of all time. Maybe that's why in the the credit sequence to open the movie they showed him shooting 100 percent because he's just so bad at hand-to-hand combat like war child's girlfriend later that's completely naked for no reason at all beats him up but like <laughs> that 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 floating punch while you're like diving <laughs> in the ocean is unbelievable yeah i, I think I'm it's with you on keanu getting his his ass beat most of the movie when they when they actually start fighting though, I do I think that's where Keanu holds his own the best because he's up versus three guys. He punches Anthony Akitas in the face from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then Anthony Akitas is just like on the ground holding his nose. So maybe he's the worst fighter in the movie. But I love pa- Pappas though. After he sees him get punched by by Warchild, and he's like, 
he's like laughing at him and he's like not even like helping him out at all. He's like cracking up that he got it. He's like, I got my lights or my lights punched out. It's so funny. Well, we got to give shout out to Bodie. This is where we really get Bodie stepping forth where Bodie saves the day, right? He comes yeah. in and all you're thinking about when Swayze breaks it, gets in the fighting stance is like, it's his roadhouse. He goes in yeah. roadhouse mode. <laughs> Can, can we like talk about something? I, I need to debate this a little bit. So he Bodie jumps in and it's pure karate. He just starts throwing kicks, like high kicks, like to the neck, chest area. It's not typical. Like in most movies, it's like all fist fights. If you guys get in a bar fight, are you throwing kicks or, or are you purely? I almost feel like kicks are below the belt. Like I, I don't think I feel like it's like disrespectful like it's, it's almost like against the rules to throw kicks in a fight weirdly in this type of situation i don't agree with you because in a bar fight if you tried to throw a kick you're probably hitting someone else in this <laughs> it's sort of like more of an organic area Open range yeah like I, it's you know, i gotta call you guys out on this right now i think that if you can land a kick that is fair game because nobody most people that throw a kick are getting their, their leg caught and then pulled to the ground nobody's doing what Swayze does like that's it's crazy like kicking is very difficult to pull off that you don't look at bows and most times you'll miss fall over you're opening yourself up in a way that you don't because here's the thing how do most fights go they two guys like tackle each other to the ground um hockey fight style i know i, I know uh, brian was the one our friend richard he told me that you taught him how when you fight, you got to grab the shirt because of hockey fighting. Um, yeah. That was a thing. I, I know that you did that in hockey. I didn't know that you could do that in uh, bar fights. Not that I've ever really been in a real bar fight. I've been. Yeah, but none of these guys have shirts on, man. <laughs> <laughs> none of these guys have shirts on is true. But like what, yeah, what you're saying, like if someone in a bar busts out a kick and lands it, I can't hate. I've never seen someone do that. I've seen, <laughs> like I was at the bar the other night. I saw a fight happen. I was I was breaking people up. These strangers, old men are, are going at it. Six year old men were getting handcuffed outside. Crazy. I live wildlife, right? And no one was throwing kicks. Not a <laughs> single kick. No one. I've never even considered a kick as a possibility. So when you when you throw that out there, I love it. If you can do a kick, if someone steps to me ready to fight and they land a kick on my jaw, I'm out of there. It's better than like getting tackled to the ground, getting punches to the face. Yeah. Now, if you knee, knees and elbows. That I think is dirty. These yeah. and elbows are a little dangerous. That's how you so, like bust an ice. Brady, if you ever get in a fight with somebody like at a bar that you know is would kick your ass, and you just like bust out the karate stance just to see if they're like, "Ooh, I don't know if I should mess with this guy." That would be pretty Dude, sick. I think if I do it, if I do like Karate Kid, I do like flat, like floating <laughs> lotus, like I put the hands up. I, if somebody does that to, I'm I'm walking. There's no way you're gonna confront somebody that does that. I don't remember. I <laughs> Did he throw that many kicks in Roadhouse? A good amount. A good amount. <laughs> there I don't really remember, but there are a lot of just lying, man. There's he's a like lot the, where like the golden boot, dude. He just comes in, he's just straight kicks. It's unbelievable. Well, they, he kind of has an Eastern influence, like that Buddhism thing. It it, it it's a continuation from Roadhouse. That's and, true. And That's then true. there's a lot of instances in Roadhouse where he kicks someone and they always go over something, whether it's over the bar, over a balcony, out of the house, through a window. <laughs> Like you never just get kicked and fall backwards, which is awesome. Like because I don't think my momentum from a kick could move like a medicine ball, but like these can <laughs> move like two hundred pound men. It's it, it's incredible. Yeah. So like, can we have a little moment then? Now I'm thinking Dalton versus Bodie. I feel like they are different characters. They are not the same. I feel like there's a lot more charm 
in this Bodhi, even though he's the bad guy in this, he's almost more charming versus Roadhouse. He's almost kind of like, I'm trying, I can't even think of the right word for it. He's, it's like almost like a Schwarzenegger vibe where it's like he's a machine almost. And I don't even know if that, that's just in Terminator, I guess. <laughs> Schwarzenegger has so much charisma in everything he does. I mean, what does um, is, is Bodhi refer to Rosie as later? A mechanism? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he's a mechanism in Roadhouse. Yeah, Roadhouse is just different. But he doesn't have the charisma that you see in like a ghost or even, um, you know, his other uh, the Dead Dirty Dancing. He has like a little bit more. There's he's more emotional, I guess. In that movie, he's very like he keeps his emotion. Like you know, he he literally says, "Pain don't hurt," which yeah. that's why maybe there's just a way. I don't know if these lines are iconic or he makes them iconic. I think I think Schwazy gets a little underrated, in my opinion. Yeah. But continuing War Child and the Boys. So now we have Johnny Utah, Special Agent Angela Pappas. They have their whole thing planned, set to go. After the party scene, of course, we got to remember, low-key, Catherine Bigelow does a great job with the romance scene where they sleep on the beach together, and Keanu's like, oh, I slept in! Yeah. Yelling at the sky. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, and there's, there's like a little room. And you kind of like buy that the romance is budding in a way that's like kind of cute, and he like sleeps in, and they're laughing, kissing. We're we're jumping around a little bit though. I do want to talk about want the, to the party. Yeah, the party. I do want to talk about Anthony Kiedis too. I mean, he's amazing in this. I think he gets he gets punched in the nose and then he like. Well, that's why the, 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 like, the he shows up again during the raid. That's why I was moving to the I was continuing the yeah. war style thread. Um, but I wanted to ask the group who had the better performance. Is it Flea and the Big Lebowski, or is it Anthony Kiedis and Point Break? Flea. It's tough because Flea, Flea will pop up in random stuff all the time. Yeah, that's he's why that's the thing. Like, Flea's yeah. floating around. Kiedis is more iconic as War Child. Because I can't tell you the name of the character that Flea plays in Lebowski. I just yeah. know he's one of the nihilists. And he orders the, the lingonberry pancakes. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's amazing. But I think I might give the edge to Kiedis here. Just because think... he's hanging out with Lupton Pittman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting them all mixed up. So yeah, yeah Brady, the guy out. from the Red Hot Chili Peppers does not play War Child. <laughs> that's why I was so confused. I was like, that's Anthony Kiedis? <laughs> He's huge. <laughs> I've been confused this whole time. The moment you said that's Anthony Kiedis, I was like, he doesn't seem that like... He's, I always thought he was like, uh, a skinny guy. That was no, his he whole plays band. Tone. He plays a guy named Tone. Yeah, who says, that would be a waste fleet. of time. <laughs> yeah, He's He's like, fleet, first really fight. yeah. He gets his foot blown off in the okay, ring. Okay, that's iconic. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're you're blowing my mind. And I, I you know what? I, I was skipping through the party, but the party does have that. I mean, the whole thesis of the movie is when they're sitting around the fire, and yeah. Bodie brings up, they're like the fifty. You know, they do the classic line, just the layup of um, like it's better than sex. And she's like, "You must be having sex wrong." Always, yeah. like, I love a layup like that. You just gotta take it. And then Bodie's like, "The fifty-year storm, man." It's gonna come like twice a century. The ocean has to remind us how small we are, and you're just like, "Let's go!" And all the because even that one guy was like, "I want to die." He's going off. And he gets doesn't he get combative? It's not Roach. It's just the other one. He just says that he's gonna die before he turns thirty. But he doesn't yeah. even he he gets combative about something, and then Bodie speaks, and that guy's like totally flipped his tune about something. But yeah. you just see well, Bodie Bodie does it, his speech. It, that's my that's literally maybe my favorite quote in the whole movie where Bodie says Bell's Beach Australia is the biggest surf that there is. And then the guy goes, No way Bell's is bigger than YMA, bro. It's like <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines ever. 
If you go to Hawaii, like a lot of towns on the different islands in Hawaii have the same name. It's like the town Waimea like pops up on like every island. It's like a very common town name in Hawaii. And it just cracks me up because like I like I we honeymooned in Hawaii and I was like looking through all these different towns to go to. And I was like, every time I saw Waimea, I just was like, no way what Bells is bigger than Waimea, bro. I just had to say it every single time. So good. But you know what's amazing is um at the very end when with the big surf that you see that's supposedly bell's beach that was actually filmed in on the north shore of oahu so it actually was filmed where waimea is on the north shore of Kauai, i think but it's pretty funny that they use waimea to show bell's beach like pretty much like later on in the movie i think it's funny too like that just shows you one gray sheen can go a long ways because you kind of believe I, I assumed it was like seattle they filmed it <laughs> kind of funny yeah. <laughs> no, that's why speaking of no, um, wait well so the ocean that they show the wave is hawaii but the action between swayze and keanu is in oregon so you weren't that far yeah, okay that's what i thought that oh, was like that okay. definitely looked like the, the <laughs> northwest um but but also from that scene my other favorite line is that he just goes off like we mean something for the guy in the in the box or does he call it like the coffin rolling on the highway or something like that all of that all of that like the whole him just explaining we do this is why we do it and they're really talking around the fact that they rob banks but they're just like we represent a different way of living life that you don't have to do but that way of life only works if you have money which you the only way to do it is with robbing banks for these guys because they're not affluent yeah um but so then we uh after that, you know, they they have that scene on the beach, which I think did a really good job of like selling this relationship, this budding relationship. And Keanu shows up late. You got all the the young other agents like you're late to your own raid, dude. What the heck, Pappas? I love that Pappas like gives him a little guff, and he's like, "All right, good, you're here." And then we have so we have Warchild on the bed. What do you guys think he's? I love I love that little performance beat where the guy's just laying on the bed. <laughs> That's Anthony Kiedis on the bed. That's Anthony Kiedis. So I keep yes. on, in my mind, I can't replace Warchild with Anthony Kiedis. Warchild is like a big dude with blonde hair. He's huge. Yeah, Warchild. Oh, okay. Now huge. I can picture So I have been imagining Anthony Kiedis the whole time. I just thought that Warchild was the name of that character. Because oh, okay. it's such a good okay. name. Okay. That's such a good name. That makes more sense. So I was yeah. like, that's why I've been confused. Um, and then we have, like, yeah, the woman showering. And I love how the moment somebody knocks on the door, they just have... They have like Tommy guns, like it's like the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> With like the Bell magazines and stuff. Out arsenal in there. They're Tommy guns, but they look like they shoot like bazookas. They shoot like <laughs> rocket launchers. They go through the wall like crazy. I think that plays, I like how so that they're going, he's hiding under the window. Classic lawnmower starts and the walkie talkies can't work. This is pre text. We don't need text. Walkie talkie, like, ah, this dang lawnmower. I feel like this action sequence is real solid. Oh, yeah. I think the choreography, the shooting of the foot, the girl screaming the entire time. Anytime you do a scene like this and there's like screaming happening, always heightens the, you know, the tension of the, of it all. Does uh, do any of the cops get killed in that scene? No, one gets stabbed in the back with like a with like a fork or something. Stabs him like six times yeah. in the back. It, it's, like a buoy, it's like a buoy knife or something, but it yeah. like didn't do too much damage. The you're right. And then we end up with the the lawnmower. I love that when the guy like gets the best. I kind of like that they always get the best of Keanu because when they're like pushing his face toward the lawnmower, it's shot so well where you like 
you think is going to happen, and then like yeah, you yeah. see, he just shows up, shoots the lawnmower first, shoots the lawnmower, turn it off. It, it borderline doesn't work, but it is really well done. I think it borderline doesn't work because like every lawnmower I've ever used, and I've been cutting grass a long time. When you let go of it, it turns off because that's like a safety thing. But this thing's just running, so maybe oh, this I thought like, about it. I, I, I had the same thought. Don't, and the other thing is like me. the lawnmower is like stuck in the ground, or like if Keanu's like putting his whole weight on it, it would just push forward, right? Like it would push away from his face. But it, either way, like either and then also Pappas comes over and turns off the lawnmower by shooting it. Yeah. It's like sharpshooter, man. That was incredible. And I think like even like so for instance, the lawnmower thing, I think that's a magic of movie things where I know like in the scene, I I, I didn't know exactly what you're talking about. When you you use a lawnmower, you you hold the handle and when you let go of the handle, it turns off. But it's kind of like in Indiana Jones, you know, we watch Raiders Last Arc. Whenever he loses his hat and they have like or even when like the a rock is like a rock door is closing. It's probably should have closed 12 times already, but they just keep cutting back to it and it hasn't gone all the way down yet. Yeah. I love that stuff because I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's just a height, it's a, like a heightened reality. We're in a movie and I, I give yeah. it a pass. Yeah, no, and I love it. I mean, it's, I think it's well done. And when you watch it, you're sitting there, you're like cringing. You're like, oh, like, and it gives you a, the right, the proper feeling. I think sometimes you see a high danger moment in movies, you're like, oh, it's kind of cheesy, but. This one, you're like, oh man, that would be so awful, and like you like almost can't watch it, which is the the reaction I think that they were going for. So I think they really did ace it. I was just saying there maybe are. Yeah, some it's visceral. Problems. I think you're right. It's yeah. visceral. It's the same way that, that the shoe getting shot. Like you can, you've seen a thousand times someone gets shot in the torso in a movie, but when somebody gets their foot shot, it yeah. looks like ten times worse than anything you've ever seen in a movie. Yep, and that was Anthony Kiedis, not not War Child, <laughs> by the way. Fair enough. I'll never I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be haunted by this one this morning um <laughs> so they 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 pull they this is when we have our moment right our favorite guy dyed blonde hair because he's undercover tom sizemore baby tom sizemore the god of 90s movies you have one of the best he's only on screen for 45 seconds if that and you like want more of him like yeah, he should have been problem. like I don't even know if like you want like it doesn't work because you've you just see so little of him and he's so electric. He's so like, like well, I think he was teased in a couple other scenes. Like he might have like been to his back to the camera. I think he might have been in that house during the raid. He was. He gets destroyed. It was like Terry Tate, office yeah. linebacker. Right. They run in and he gets tackled so hard he almost like breaks his neck. It's because... it's actually amazing because if you've seen the movie, you know he's with the DEA. And yeah. then you watch him during the raid. It's so funny. He's just protecting himself. It, it's it's hilarious. And I never noticed so that. Like, this is what Sizemore does. And he like he gives the the action is the juice line. He stands up to De Niro as like the greatest actor of all time. And in this room, he's with Busey, and he's McGillney, and he's with um, Keanu, and he just goes off on them, all of them. And he owns the scene. You like, think I like this hair, man? <laughs> staying at the Ramada. Like, I mean, he's he owns this scene. Is this the so best? Cool. Is this like a dream scene, though? Like, for an actor, if you, you know, obviously you're not in the lead role, but in terms of like... So, 
a I, ninety I was, second scene. Is there a better scene that you could get? Because it so is. I, I was gonna say like ninety seconds. This might be it. I was gonna say the the one that I would go back to is the Baldwin Glengarry Glen Ross, but that's like a seven minute monologue. But if you only have like nine minutes to go at somebody, this is pretty high up there. I think what what differentiates uh, the Glengarry thing, which is like you know one of the great scenes of movie history is this i don't know this is sizemore bringing what he brings to the role it's not like on script this scene's popping right like you could see a scene like where a guy people do angry a lot right like people like it takes a tom sizemore to show up because like i'd say 99 times out of 100 we're talking about this entire movie we're not talking about that character but because it's sizemore because he brings that gravitas to it he's so unhinged it plays like gangbusters because yeah, his also, crazy has to equal Busey crazy. And McGinley does a good job, like, hyping him up. Because he's like, <laughs> Special Agent Utah, meet DEA Agent Dietz. And then I love, after he goes off, he gets so angry. And then Pappas responds with, nice tattoo, Dietz. That's the one scene McGinley underplays it because he knows Sizemore is overplaying it. Yeah, so like, he, like he, that's the time he's not doing it, right? I think it's like more, a perfect. He pulls out the two bags and he's like, "You know what this is?" <laughs> and like throws it at him. Oh my god, man! And I love Pappas has been around so long. The second he sees it, he goes, "Oh no!" Like he knows what it is. And you see Keanu's face. He's like, "No, what? What's going on here?" And then he, and then he <laughs> starts to put it together. That scene like, is like yeah. maybe the best done scene of the movie. Just that whole. 90 seconds is just masterfully done like each character is playing a good role and and obviously the dialogue sizemore just owns it and then so yeah. bank robbery right you know well so now no no we can't skip before they actually do the bank robbery itself we have arguably the greatest line reading in the whole movie it's when they're sitting in there first off i i every time i watch this movie i i lose it just from the moment he's you hear Busey laughing Calvin and Hobbes, funny, yeah. funny stuff. <laughs> and then he goes with the, it's, uh, it's time for lunch. It's 10.30. It's 10.30 a.m. I know the best, best meatball sandwich. Utah, give me two. Also, before that, this this vendor is on the street trying to sell some oranges or something. And he's like, no, 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 we don't need that. We got a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we got a lot. Yo, and so, Brian, I got to ask you this. We, we you know... Our, our our good friend Russ, he has a problem with adults drinking milk after like noon. What do you think about adults drinking lemonade? Because Keanu gets two lemonades at the the meatball sandwich shop. Dude, you're calling me out because I drink lemonade. I'm a lemonade guy. I'm not. So I don't. I don't want to get too far into this. I don't want to waste time on this. But when I when I go to like a fast food or fast casual place and I need to make a soft drink. I do a third lemonade and two thirds water. So it's, it's extremely watered down lemonade. I did that healthier. when I was hung over in college. Like, oh, seriously. Drink. I don't do soda. I do watered down lemonade. That's my thing. Well, I, I will say this, like to, to really hammer home the lemonade point. I get what you're saying. Like I haven't seen somebody wear a lemonade in a really long time. It's le- it's less bold that Keanu, like fine. If Keanu goes up and says one lemonade, that's fine. Pappas didn't say, get me a lemonade too. Keanu assuming that he will also want to eliminate at 10.30 a.m. is incredible. With his two meatball subs because he's starving. And then his, 
to your point, turkey on uh, <laughs> uh, brown bread. He said, you should have got me three of these. Yeah, <laughs> I could eat the ass end out of a rhino. That I mean, that seems just amazing. And then obviously, like right behind Utah's shoulder, the president's going, and he's just—that's the perfect direction. That's the Bigelow right there, where you see the car pull up, and they—you know, she's off screen telling Keanu to turn just then because it's the party. Like he turns around, he's like, "How long has that car been there?" They go, you see that <laughs> leaking outside, and like, yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to go back and time it and see if it is ninety seconds. How long it takes them to do their bank job? That is that yeah that would be interesting because then now we get into so why I think about when I think about like what makes this one of the great action movies is it has a lot of movies will have one great one of these things. This has the great car chase, the great foot chase, great you know hand to hand combat. So this one kicks off with a car chase where they're just going all over the place. We got the, we're inside the car with the presidents. They're freaking out because they've never actually been like in trouble before. And then we get to the part where they go to the gas station. And when this is Bodie as Reagan, I love that Bodie's in the Reagan mask. When he busts out the, the flamethrower, I don't know if that works. I feel like that's a, a highly dangerous way to do it <laughs> <laughs> to ignite a gasoline. It's, it's pretty amazing though it's so it's such an incredible. iconic it looks incredible well to be fair earlier during the beach football scene no it was it was not during the beach football scene it was during the party scene where they go surfing uh some guy stabbed a thing of kerosene <laughs> and <laughs> poured it and he didn't light on himself on fire when he lit the thing on fire so it just the, the rules don't apply in this movie. I don't even know, because for all I know, that could be the way it works. Who knows? And I don't want to, again, would never want them to change a thing about it, because it's a great, because he's continuing to burn the car, because he's burning the evidence, but he gets a little too overzealous with it. He's a little too cocky. The guys are like, we got to leave, we got to leave him, we got to leave him. They're like, no, we can't leave Bodhi. And then Keanu, this is what's so hilarious. Pappas, what, they get turned around or something? Keanu just gets out of the car and starts running on foot after them. And they just happened to hit the gas station. So because he's picking up, he started chasing a car on foot, catches up to Bodie. And now we have one of the great foot chases of all time. Well, to be fair, that car, they ran over the spikes. So that car had flat tires. So they were going to have to abandon it. And that's why Keanu chased him down. I thought it was just a bold assertion on Keanu. Either way, it works. Because this also has one of my favorite weapons ever used in the history of movies. And that that's when... Keanu's already gone through like a glass window, done everything. When B Bodie is standing here on the corner and throws a pit bull at him, <laughs> the idea that he stopped running, picked up some dog, and waited around the corner to throw it at him is one of the great moments in movie history. Do you see what Keanu does to the dog? Uh, maybe I'm one for hyperbole. I know I am. No, yeah, no. Bodie literally throws a dog into Johnny Utah's chest. Okay, do you do you see what happens when the dog lands on Keanu? Does it lick him? Dude, you have, I like, okay. So again, I, I mentioned before when I watched this with my, with my wife on our first date, um, this is one of the things she picked up on when Bodhi throws the dog to Keanu, he catches it. And I'm not kidding you. He punts it. He does punt it. Shit. You're right. Oh Dude, my God. Yeah. I mean, and so I actually, I, I, uh, I read a little bit about, about that scene um, no humans or dogs were injured. It was obviously a real dog that Bodhi tossed to Keanu and he caught the pit bull and that was it. And then it was a fake dog that he punted. So it was kind of like Anchorman when Baxter gets 
reported by Jack Black. Does that not slow your momentum down so much to just wind up and just drop the dog? (laughs) I don't know. The punt was the like the only like this movie's perfect. The only thing I really had issue with was the dog punt. I was like, we didn't really need that. And it like yelps. But it, it happens in a split second, like in no yeah. time. No, and I did. I did remember thousands of viewings to see it. I you guys are remember. assuming that the dog, that dog, could have attacked him. He had to kick it. I'm not. I'm, listen, I'm not for <laughs> kicking dogs. I'm only pro kicking dogs if somebody uses a dog as a literal weapon <laughs> <laughs> during a hot pursuit foot chase. <laughs> and then, but like this is why it's like a perfect script, right? So they get through this incredible foot chase, which is just a great direction and a lot of Keanu doing his own stunts which you can tell and then they have the moment where he jumps down into like the is it the LA River I assume or like uh, that concrete yeah. and he blows out the knee again and you're just like they've already set it up the great excuse on why he you know why he had to leave why he's a professional football player he lands on his knee they have that moment where they make the eye contact and then when Keanu fires off the, the shots into the air, so perfect, so incredible. And I love that, like, uh, Busey calls him out. He's like, you missed five times? He's like, I miss. He's like, you don't miss. <laughs> yeah, it works. Busey said, either you've gotten soft or you've gotten too close to these guys, and I don't think you've gotten soft. And, you know, yeah. I thought that was really poignant. I definitely... You know, it shows that he's on to Keanu and then he comes back with the whole, like, you know, I think I might know where they're going next. And Well, no, he doesn't know where they're going next at this point. At this point, Busey oh. says, go home, go home. I'll call you if they if they turn up. So he goes home, he goes to sleep. They're just showing like sexy shots of Keanu looking, looking all hunky. And then he gets awoken by his by his girlfriend firing bullets into the bed next to him. Yeah. Which is aggressive. It's a yeah. really aggressive because I don't know. Does she know that they are robbing banks? I don't. I don't so. think so. So, like, what is she? What was her thought process when she finds out that? Yeah, sure. He clearly lied about his job. The leap to, I'm gonna shoot. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think how was, shocking it was. She wasn't I mean, protecting Bodie or anything. She was just mad at him because he's been lying to her since they met, and then he slept with her multiple times. But my thing is that she doesn't like she doesn't know that he's undercover for a specific reason. He's in investigating surfers that are robbing banks, right? She just thinks he's maybe lied about his job. Like she, she's it's. I mean, I don't. Again, this is not a complaint. It's just an interesting thing where it's a it's the kind of thing where she knows more than she probably would know. Almost like uh, the, she knows as much as the audience almost in that scene because yeah. her action should be like, why did you? You're a cop, not a lawyer. Uh, like that kind of angle, it wouldn't be like you lied to me about your parents dying, you know, that kind of it's it, she makes a lot of leaps. She must know about the bank robbery then for her yeah, to get that's that. That's what I'm saying, right? I think that's a good point. I mean, they don't really show that to the audience in any way, so like we're I've not I've never really thought about that, but that's a good point that for her to get that angry, that that probably has to she she probably knows, but also she obviously was very pissed about she said, I bet you lied about your parents too. And I think, like, if you lie about your parents dying in a car crash to somebody whose parents did die in a car crash, like, I mean, that's not a good look. That's definitely crossing the line. So. Oh, it's the worst look. It's the worst look of all time. Um, so then, yeah, that, he, she leaves the house. He does some high school boy phone calls 
being like, I really am so upset. This is when Keanu does his most acting in the movie, maybe, where he's just, just doing phone calls to nobody. Like, and then like... the incredible, they knock on the door, and because he and that, that they do make a point to like say like normally he should be like have the lookout for like Swayze and all them. It's interesting that Swayze and them could just disappear in the wind, but they choose not to. They choose to. He's like, I know how to deal with them. Well, they, they talk about Keanu it, and they do that. Yeah. Well, there's but they they don't they could just go rob a bank in another town. But Bodie's kind of like lost it at this point. I think he's so. I think he wants to prove that, like, to Keanu, that you, he wants to turn him almost, be like, not even be like, become a bank robber. It's more of like, understand, like, the way of life that we do. I, and there's a mutual respect there, though, even though they <clears throat> hate each other, like, they, like, Keanu loves who Bodhi is. And I think Bodhi also, re- like, sees something in Keanu, the fact that he doesn't back down. He, he's a wild man, too, like, underneath it all um so i think that that's such a key part of their dynamic is like also like bodhi realizes that hey like he could have shot me and he didn't so like he also he has to have some respect right like i think i think think he thinks he's on the edge yeah and i think that respect comes through so more so poignantly in the airplane scene when theano asks who packed my shoes and Bodie's like, I did. And they're like, no, don't do my shoot, man. Like, Bodie packs a shit suit. Like, you know, and like everybody's <laughs> passing around. So like, Keanu's actually, I would be terrified. You know, like, it, I'd be terrified. They all know. And they, he well, jumps the out. The part about it is they're pretending that they're not talking. They all know that each other, like, Keanu knows that Bodhi robbed the bank, but he was wearing a mask at the time. But they both know it, but they choose not to acknowledge it. And the closest they come to acknowledging it is that parachute conversation, which is, I think that's an incredible moment. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're acknowledging it in that moment. And and then they all jump out of the plane and they have that incredible camaraderie, incredible five-man bromance romance where they <laughs> come together and all grab each other. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I love how they make a point to say, like, he's got, I got my bum knee. And he's like, don't worry, we're not landing on land. <laughs> well, and to, I guess then for the other thing, the, the fact that these guys are actually the actors we're doing skydiving, you can tell it adds an authenticity to the movie that you don't see anywhere else. Yeah. Swayze did like 55 jumps or something, I think they said. Yeah. And to, even to do like skydive alone, you have to do like over 100, right? Like with somebody. I just think that like you can tell that comes through. And I love that the boys are just on top of the world. And then they immediately got to get taken down when Swayze's like, got to show you something, man. They go into the truck and they see Rosie's kidnapped um, Tyler. And he's like, she's crazy. And he does the whole thing like, again, pre phones, pre internet. He's like, there's no way we can call him. I have to meet him at a certain place at a certain time. Perfect setup. And then the idea that he's like, I'm going to make you do a bank robbery with me and we're not giving you a mask. It's just that that's when like the serendipity of like a perfect screenplay comes together there. Right. And then they go in there and you always, whenever you watch these movies, like you you never want to see a hero. You just want the, like, it's it's so stressful. Whenever like the, when the, when the off duty cops land there, he's looking at the security guard. He's like, come on, man, we got to do it. We got to do it. Keanu's like getting into it a little bit, like trying to scare people. And then they say, let's go into the vault. And you're like, ooh, this isn't good. They're not even following their own rules. Bodie's gone completely unhinged. And then it ends with everybody getting, 
A lot of people get shot. Everyone gets shot except Bodie and Keanu, right? Be, well, Keanu has a bulletproof vest on, but You're he does. Right, get I forgot. But he they gets both, bulletproof they vest. both get shot, and they yeah. both have a bulletproof vest on. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so they get, and then he knocks, but then he makes a point to knock out Keanu. He doesn't get to come along. Which is it? So that's so that's what's interesting is that he planned to do this. Now his plan makes more sense when you know that he plans on leaving Keanu at the scene of the crime. So he's almost like that's almost a revenge element to it, where he's like, because immediately we got um, uh, McGinley, sorry McGinley, uh, come and chewing him out. You know they're arresting Keanu because he was a part of bank robbery where you know a cop got killed. It's uh, Busey shows up, bozo mode, and then. Juicy punches him out, and they just let him take his partner in. <laughs> yeah, which was wild. I mean, they essentially he's in handcuffs, and he's like, "I'll take him in." They hop in the car together. They essentially just sneak away. He un he unhooks him, and then he's like, "I know where they're going. They're going to the Santa Monica airport." And so they go to the airport. And it's like, "All right, he's back. He's not getting arrested for anything." But like, I think it'd be. I don't know what he's the worst. Okay, he's a terrible FBI agent, right? Like. He's late to the raid because he's sleeping on the beach. Like he he's he's got all these strikes against him. However, I actually think this scene would be very easy to talk yourself out of. Like I was coerced by these guys. I've been kidnapped by these guys to help them with this bank robbery. I mean, he says when he's there, he's like FBI undercover when the one cop pulls his gun. So I actually like it almost bothers me that like it would make sense for them to book him, right? Like he probably would yeah, be in handcuffs. Yeah. They'd probably have to have a conversation with him. But I actually don't think he did anything like wrong. Like he he could easily say, like, Yeah, I was coerced to do this. Oh no, you can just say like I was coerced into doing it per se. I don't know if that But his gun wasn't loaded. I don't know. I guess it's fancy. But it's like I, I don't know if like you can if somebody forces you to do a bank robbery, does that make you not be able to withstand charges? I don't know. I feel like there's like I don't know even know if there's a legal precedence for that. It's like that that movie where like the, the Pizza Hut driver like got a bomb vest on him or whatever. That was a true story. You ever hear about that? You like it's a thirty Jesse Eisenberg movie, thirty minutes or less. Um but but anyways, they get there and this is where we have one of the more here, what do you guys think? I love that this movie didn't get a proper sequel ever. And he obviously got remade. Should Pappas get killed at the end of the movie, like, near the end of the movie, like he does here? Do, I mean, it's almost like. It broke my heart. Like it did this time around. And I've seen this movie probably like, you know, Brian said 70. I would say like probably eight, nine times. A lot of times piecing it together on cable or something like that. And, this time, the one thing that really hit me was Angelo going down. Like, I was really upset about it. And it was upsetting that he rode with Utah all the way till the end. They didn't have any backup. And it really struck me. Like, I thought this was by far the saddest point of the movie. This was the part that kind of grounded the movie for me. And made it not just a ridiculous action movie, but like something that actually had consequences. Because I really didn't care about any of the presidents dying. I didn't care about any of the junkie surfers dying. I did. Well, they're the bad guys. About Angelo. Yeah, they're the, they're the bad guys. I think I don't know. It does feel like it's from a different movie almost because, like, in this movie, that but there's like a trope of the partner getting killed, and you. 
you almost like want him not to die in a weird way. I don't know. It just feels like um, I wonder why it did. It, I I, yeah. I wouldn't change it, but it just it yeah. always throws me off a little bit. It feels like a little bit of a tone shift because it, but then the tone does shift because then you have like Roach dying and that I feel like Roach's death has a weird kind of like sadness to it. I feel that yeah. you don't feel when the other people die. We're like, you know, Keanu's like telling him like that's the blood leaving your body. And the guy's like, you know, there, there's a, there's definitely a shift of gears once Pappas dies. I think there's an element of everybody in in Bodhi's crew dies, all of the presidents except for Bodhi, and then Keanu's guy is Pappas, and so it's like, well, Keanu's guy dies too. And the movie's about Bodhi and Keanu at the end of the day, right? Yeah. I think they could have made this movie without Pappas dying, and it it is heart wrenching. And I am in a way, I think it's it's a surprising move because I feel like in that era of movie, there were more Hollywood endings. Um and and I feel like the Hollywood ending of this is a little bit different. Like Pappas probably doesn't die. You know what I think it is? I feel like this is the difference. I think because you know that happens in speed with Jeff Daniels and things like that. Usually yeah. when a partner gets killed, it happens halfway through the movie. I think that's the reason it sticks out to me. They usually yeah. have it as a midpoint, a turning point for the character, that it happens so late that's what makes it suspected because he's made it so far into the movie and they're so close. And then you do have the heartbreaking part of it that Keanu tells him not to shoot and that causes Busey to hesitate. And that hesitation is what ends up getting him. Yeah. So there's like, there's some, yeah, there's some weight to it. Right. So then they, but then I love that they're like, they're forcing the pilot up in the air and the pilot's like, ah, he keeps on being like, I'm not flying you. No, you're flying us. They get up there and they do. What's weird is that this movie, Maybe it does have some repetition to it in the sense that like there's a lot of chase scenes and then there's like two skydiving scenes but i feel like it works because it's like they do it in a different way every time so like this time it is they go out he will he won't see he's like tell him the walkie-talkie tell him to let her go he's like what if your chute doesn't open yeah. he's like nah man <laughs> well, yeah, roach has the great line i'll see you in hell it up though I, I i like i think it's hard to do two skydiving scenes i really do but they speed up the second one and it's well, the it's second one is up. that he's jumping out without a parachute yeah that's the x factor of the second one and it's okay like that's incredible i i think one thing that this movie nobody talks everybody talks about the quotes everybody talks about keanu swayze the hair all that but the action sequences i think are really underrated especially considering it was 91 when this came out i mean the chase scene that we talked about earlier when Swayze's like he's literally on fire and he's running through buildings and glass doors and Keanu's chase like that's incredible this one where he jumps out of the airplane without a shoot that is like brilliant like that's not taken from any other movie that I'm aware of that's just like such a brilliant idea and what I love about it most it it (laughs) it actually could happen like and I say this because the Mythbusters did an episode on this and I, I keep bringing in these facts but the Mythbusters did an episode and they found that like you actually couldn't talk to other people when you're skydiving the way that they are. Like you, there's no way to really hear. However, somebody waited on an airplane for not very long, but waited on an airplane, then jump out of the airplane. They could like adjust their body to catch up with that person and actually land with them, which is so cool to pull off something like jumping out of a plane without a chute and surviving is actually like not only is it an amazing way to write this, but it also is realistic. Well, the idea, dude, this is their big moment, right? He has the gun to his head, and theoretically, Johnny Utah could kill Bodie and then take his shoot, or he can drop the gun and pull the pull the ripcord. And they yeah. have the whole thing where they're getting closer and closer, and just going, going, and this is the moment between them. And then and they finally pull it, and again, Keanu's knee just getting wrecked. 
But I, I'm going to ask a question about they they are they know they're going to go to Mexico after they get in this trouble. They're flying to Mexico. They're going to land there. Um, San Felipe or something like that. They they start sprinkling in Spanish a lot. In the last like 30 minutes of this movie. That's what I was going to say is that his last thing before he goes is like, adios, amigo. Yeah. He's like, come on, compadre. It's just like out of nowhere. These guys are just starting to speak Spanish. And there's no real reason for it. Like they are landing in Mexico, but that's about it. And I've never understood it, but I, I love it. Like, it's kind of fun. I, I don't know how to describe also, it. So like this is okay to, to counter the whole pre-internet argument that you guys were like talking about a little bit earlier. How is Roach know where he's going to land? <laughs> or not Roach, Rosie. How does Rosie know where, um, where Swayze is going to land? There, that's an underrated aspect of this is Swayze is like an amazing coordinator of things. He's like, get the plane ready, land me at the landing zone, like get the shoots. Like it, he does all these things. It's amazing that he's like, he truly is the boss and he's a great manager and coordinator. <laughs> well, and they have a great sad moment too, where they, they go up the roach and they're like, we got to bury him, but don't have time, man. <laughs> they grab yeah. the money and they get in the Jeep. No Jeep has ever looked cooler. It's weird because like the movie does feel like it's a this is what sets it apart again from the other ones is normally this is the they know that this isn't enough. He saves the girl and that's not you can't just end it on that note, right? We gotta do do they shoot six months later or is it a year later? Doesn't say. I thought I said nine months later. Okay. Yeah, it's I think it says on the screen like nine months later or something. Okay. Um so he's you're, you see he's in Australia and you're waiting and I when I'm watching I'm like this is the this is clearly the Northwest this is not Australia <laughs> but which again no complaints but all the uh local cops have incredible Australian accents yeah like yeah. Oi, oh, even like everyone's that. going out mate <laughs> yeah storm yeah storms are gonna stick out there mate <laughs> Christ. so then he goes down Bodie, so Bodie's staring into the ocean. Now, I love this. This is also a nice little touch they do. Keanu's hair is now long. Bodie's hair is now sh short. They've kind of, like, switched roles almost, where, like, you know, they have a different look. And they have that, like, brief conversation. He's like, and Bodie's like, do you still surf? Every day. Yeah, I love that. It gets me so pumped. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Keanu's very, very happy when they're in Australia. I'm pretty sure... He's drinking a beer when he's like driving his car. He's like drinking a beer and then he goes down to the beach. Right. And it's like, I don't think, I mean, if I had to guess and we don't know as the audience, but if I had to guess, I don't think they're Tyler and Johnny Utah work out. I, I, I think that they're done at this point. I think Keanu's pretty depressed about everything that's going on. He's crushing beers before this mission where they, he has like it's... helicopters coming out in a freaking storm and he's got the Australian police involved. I mean, it's it, it's kind of wild. I think you know the I think the romance of this movie is Bodie in Utah. I think the reason yeah. he's upset is not Tyler. It is he's going to have to lock up Bodie. Yeah, and he knows that that's what he's going into. I feel like Bodie even says he makes some cutting comments like, what, "What's mine is yours." When he sees him with his ex girlfriend, I don't think Bodie valued her that much clearly because he kidnapped her and was going to kill her. Um, and I feel like. This is like the that's why the fight we we want to see these guys two stand off one on one. 
finally to see who's the bigger man, right? And Bodie wins the fight, which yeah. I love because we've seen Keanu get you know get beat by everyone he's faced off against. But the one thing he doesn't expect, and it, it works every time, it gets me every time. When he when he goes to stand up and he he's handcuffed, he just starts screaming, "No, no!" Yeah, I have a buddy in college who who uh, got arrested at a, at a away team football game, and the first thing he said to me when he got out was, "You know, I couldn't handle a cage, man." And I lost it. I'm not going to name any names. We all know. We all oh, know. I just love that. Like, we all know. Keanu's like, yeah, it's like Keanu's probably in more trouble for this than he is the uh, the the bank robberies when he lets him go. Because <laughs> I know it's like, sick. but it, again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He throws away the badge eventually. But like seeing Bodie go off into the wave and they, they found those massive waves. And they got that slow motion. Uh, yeah. Whoever went and wiped out for them and that. Okay. Do you think Bodie should have should have rode that a little longer? He kind of like gets to the top of the wave and then just like just falls with it. I'm like, I always wish that he rode the wave a little further. Like it's not the ultimate ride if he just crashes, you know. I think a little bit of his too is that he knows he he doesn't want to make it back. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but still. I think it's it's funny. There's a really good uh, HBO documentary called Hundred Foot Hundred Foot Wave. It's like a four part miniseries, and it's about these guys go to Portugal and Nazareth, and you to ride waves that are like even bigger than that you literally need someone on a jet ski to pull you out yeah and then you can surf them and it's wild because like if you wipe out there's a good chance you can die like people do die doing it yeah but it's also like the rush of a lifetime yeah the ultimate so it's rush. Like, yeah the ultimate rush but that's what's funny so like all the cops all the australian cops show up and they're like ah, why do you and they're all watching him he's like wait, uh, wait for him to get it what does he say he's not coming back uh Keanu's final we'll line get about him, him. We'll yeah. get him when he comes back. Yeah. He's not coming, He's not back. coming back. And then he he pulls the dirty Harry, he takes his badge, and he tosses it into the ocean, which is that's when you realize this is what this movie's about has been turning him into a Bodie-esque character. But I think the difference between him and Bodie is that Johnny Utah Hart. Yeah. There is like there's something callous underneath Bodie's exterior that he did it at all costs. Keanu's not going to do it at all costs. He's not going to sacrifice his loved ones for that pursuit the way Bodhi would. It's interesting. Bodhi is positioned as this, like, he's got all this wisdom, right? And he's like, I think even like, like his whole thing is supposed to be like helping people. In a way, he helps Keanu, I guess. I don't know. Like, he helps him get into surfing. Um, <laughs> that's about it. And then he gets all his friends killed. It's like, Bodhi is a villain in this. But yeah. Swayze is just so charismatic and like his lines are just so good that he's such a likable villain, even he's though so he like, he, like if he, I think that maybe that's an understated part of his performance in this is just it, the amount of damage that he did for him to come out as this, like, honestly, like hero in a way, Bodhi, because he didn't really do much good for anybody. I mean, he beat oh, up. I think it's it's the charisma you're saying. Like you, the, what's crazy is that you don't want to see him out of a cage. You don't want him getting yeah. arrested and hauled in. Yeah. You don't want him to get away with it. That's why that's a one of the great, maybe the greatest action movie ending of all time. Landing that perfect, him going out and ending it himself, doing that doing that thing because you're like you know you can't put Bodie in a cage, but it's that Swayze charisma. I think that's a hundred. That's what the best villains are, right? Where yeah. there's like something to their ideology, but there's something twisted about it. Where there's another path he could have taken, but he took the wrong path, right? Yeah. And like Brian, to your point, the one thing that I want to end on, and I'm not saying we're ending right now, but I wanted us to, because of 
this movie's quotability all to toss out our favorite quote and most of mine were Bodhi quotes yeah like you know you don't actually maybe like maybe the dark knight or something like that you have a lot of joker quotes or something like that but you don't actually usually have the villain being like the most quotable character and i think that that makes this a unique action film yeah i think i'll throw out i mean i hate to say if we're gonna do favorite lines it's utah give me two give me two <laughs> utah give me two. my trouble with this is that it changes based on the day of the week for me it's oh, we also we didn't topic. say we, we forgot to buy a canillas yeah yeah Brian, you got so a she, favorite line? Like I said, it changes every day for me. I, I No way Bells is bigger than Waimea, bro, is one of my favorites for sure. Utah, get me two, is one of my favorites. Back off, War Child, seriously. That's <laughs> another one of my favorites. I mean, there's just so many good ones. And then, like, everything John McGinley says, oh, so good. And everything that um, Tom Sizemore says and – how could it be in Tarzana City National Bank when they're in Fort Lauderdale on August 2nd? Tell me that smart guy. Like I somebody can't say Fort Lauderdale to me without me thinking of <laughs> Tom Sizemore yelling that. Like that's just means so much to me. But I have no, they're all they are they're it's all one A, B, one C, whatever you call it. <laughs> all the quotes are good to me. You know, and I think Bigelow, I she here's the thing. She what she uh directs uh, Herbert Locker, that one's best picture. She's, I wish that we could get some more of this. Like she, you know, she's Zero Dark Thirty. All these are successful movies. You know, they're a little bit more serious side. This is peak Bigelow for me. I think this is her at the height of her powers. I know she's made other great movies, but for the, for me, I think this is where, like, I know it's just the one I return to most. Like, I think like Locker, good movie. Saw it in theaters. I haven't really watched it much. Maybe I, I should rewatch it before I give more opinion on it, but. I don't rewatch it the way I rewatch Point Break. I say that much. Brady, I'm going to ask you maybe a difficult question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because it's I struggle to put it into words. I feel like in terms of action movies, you know, you see a movie like Taken, it's amazing. Like Liam Neeson wrecking, like it's really cool to watch, right? There's not like a lot of like deeper stuff going on there. Something about this movie is not, it's not just an action movie. I think it's really unique. And I think it's because Bigelow does such a good job with it. So I would love to hear kind of in, in your words, like what makes this movie so special outside of like just the action? I think like a movie like this, what's it's so many things have to go perfectly because like I talked about like that awkward moment last episode and I said, everything had to go wrong for it to go right. This is one where everything had to go right for it to go right. <laughs> where that the casting is perfect, right? Every casting down the line is incredible. The screenplay, just structurally, it, everything works. They do the mystery because a lot of these action movies, cop movies, there's usually they investigate something that ends up to be a wrong, a wrong turn. In this case, it's the other surfers, right? And but the way they weave it in each time, it's always kind of subverts. It, it, it zigs where you think it's going to zag. Everything kind of like goes into it, like the the way the knee keeps on coming back over and over again. And then there's the soul to the movie. And I think that I wonder how much of like 
sure uh Swayze brings a lot of that right like the the whole like eastern kind of thing vibe going on it's almost like the uh when I think about uh, like Fight Club, where they had this is kind of a similar theme, where they're like the idea of like the corporate in the '90s. The worst thing you could ever do is have like a cubicle job, right? And that was like that's the height of like the Gen X disdain of like suburbia. You know, ends up that American Beauty is kind of where that like peaks out. But I feel like with this, there's something going on, and a lot of it is I think it's just all the perfect elements. Like you have that soul to it, and you have Swayze delivering the lines. You have those action scenes, but you have Bigelow, who's one of the best at staging and choreographing a scene. He's doing that. The stunt work's incredible. Yeah. A lot of the actors doing their own stunts. And I feel like when they all combine, it's almost like a perfect object in a way. And it's funny. That's the other thing. It's hilarious at the same time with Busey giving like... Yeah. Like you, you the, the fact that we get so affected when Busey dies, that's crazy. He's Angelo Papist. But it works because there's a heart to Busey that you maybe don't see in the way other directors have used it. Yeah. I guess my point is, I think there are a lot of like popcorn action movies out there that become cult classics that people love to watch. Maybe Roadhouse is kind of in that category and I'm not dogging on Roadhouse, but I just think Point Break has a lot more to it than most action movies. And I think, you know, like people kind of like chuckle when you say you love Point Break, but for me, it's like, no, like this is actually a great movie. It's not just like a fun movie to watch. And I think that that that's truly how I feel about it by all means. All right. So we're we're discussing a new segment. We're introducing a new segment here and it's called uh I think it's a recommendation corner. Or maybe it could be fine wine corner because this is this is where we're going to uh week for week we're going to pair a movie like that that's aged like fine wine. Maybe I'm getting too into the metaphors, but the point is <laughs> A movie that maybe since we talk about the greatest movies of all time, right? So we can't really, uh, a lot of times we're going to be doing a lot of big hitters. This is leaving us open for maybe some movies that we might not do a whole episode on, or maybe we will in the future. But I found a a, a movie I thought would be a perfect pairing with uh, Point Break. It's called Big Wednesday. And the reason I'm, and guess what it is? Gary Busey, the, the movie came out in 1978. It's directed by John Milius, the guy who wrote Apocalypse Now um he uh did uh red dawn uh cone in the barbarian he's he was a part of like spielberg and scorsese that whole club um but this is it's a coming of age surfing movie Busey plays one of the three guys and it's about guys coming of age during vietnam and they love to surf though and it's like a really, I think it's a really yeah it's uh jan michael vincent william cat and gary Busey are the three leads and people don't discuss it. And like a little funny thing about it is that Spielberg and George Lucas traded points on Star Wars and Close Encounter of the Third Kind because they thought like Spielberg was like Big Wednesday is going to be a hit. It has it, he's like it has it's like Jaws meets American Graffiti, the two big the two de of the decade's most successful films. It was a huge flop. In recent years, it's been had like a re rediscovery a little bit. But this is another movie though where you see Busey has like an X factor. He's like playing the blonde hunk. He's playing like a Bodhi, not, not like philosophically, but like that's kind of what he's looking like. He's like a Jack guy, blonde hair. All these guys do is they live to surf. And it's like, a, but it's more grounded. So it's, it's a hangout movie. So I think if you're looking for something that kind of gives you the vibe of Point Break, it's like not an action movie. It's just like, it's coming of age, comedy, drama um, that deals with some like serious subjects while also being like tongue in cheek in some elements. 
if you like like kind of like the days and confused american graffiti kind of vibe that like almost like i don't want to say like sandlot but like the way it like kind of captures summer almost like that endless summer like endless summer would be the other pick that great surfing documentary but i think that the Busey element was was like i i had to make a point shout out to this because i also think Busey doesn't get enough credit I and mean, you know for a lot of people he's gary Busey in entourage and gary Busey in the tabloids or something but i think he's Black a sheep. yeah he has he had he's he can be a great actor that's my yeah. my point and i think i think it's definitely worth checking out if you take point break do you feel like Catherine bigelow probably saw that and that's part of the reason why he's in point break i would i, I do wonder because she it sounds I mean, like it. I mean, your description of it, I was like, well, I, now I get why Busey was chosen for this and that's why I want to do this. That's honestly why I like. I was thinking about it and I was like, because I was thinking about Busey when we were watching this, right? And he got, he won an Oscar for, I think, the Buddy Holly story where he plays Buddy Holly that came out in the 70s. Um, and apparently he had a motorcycle accident and that kind of is why his like brain got kind of rewired a little bit and he became more like bigger personality. Um, but back in the day, he was a little bit more low-key and sustained, like, leveled out and i think when you now that you say it, maybe she did i think that it definitely played a role in his casting because yeah. i was just honestly what 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 led it was like why would you cast angelo pappas to be carried you see just the name yeah. angelo pappas I mean, but like oh it's kind of cool that he was a surfer when he was young and now he's playing the old dog kind of yeah. it all came full circle are we ready to get into the scoring segment yeah let's do it so I'm going to uh, give this the GOAT status as the GOAT quotable movie. I think that, as Brian alluded to earlier, um, with the texting back and forth with his brother, this is all stuff that we, you know, we quote all the time. Every line in this is just perfect. It, like the dialogue is hilarious in its like own <laughs> little way. And um, I, so like, I think that this is the GOAT quotable movie. Uh, and I don't really think it's close. I think that some movies have, you know, better uh, individual quotes, but just top to bottom, I feel like every piece of dialogue in here is so quotable, memorable. And, uh, you know, I love this on the on the rewatch. It uh, really just hit home for me. And um, yeah, excellent movie. And it's the goat in terms of quotability. I dig it. Um, I'm coming out point break. It was never a doubt in my mind. This is the goat. I, I like it's it's tough. I, I can't just say it's the goat action movie of all time because like it, that's that's a really great crown. I think it's it may be my favorite action movie. Like you know I'm like looking at like you know you got Raiders of Lost Ark, you got like Indiana Jones things, things like that. That's a I'd, I'd say that's adventure. So I think I'm in the clear. Actually, I'm gonna go with the goat action movie of all time, and like I I. Other I love Police Story, Jackie Chan, I'm a big Jackie Chan guy. It's Hong Kong stuff, good stuff. I think this movie is exceptional in that it has all the things I love. It's really funny. Well, like incredible stunt work. I'm a huge fan of stunt work. That's why I like Jackie Chan. Uh, Keanu, Swayze, Busey, just charisma for days. And I like. And whoa, can we get a shout out for the 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 credit song? Is it, nobody rides for free nobody rides for free like when that, when that drops after he tosses yeah like the movie ends with a smile when i go to an action movie if it ends and i'm smiling i know they nailed it and this movie ending with me just beaming 
after after Bodhi's dying in the waves and Keanu's throwing his badge into the ocean. I'm like, this is all this is all I could ever want from an action movie. And I think it is an undersung genre to some extent. I think I don't have I'm not caveating it. Like it's I think it's just sublime. It's a sublime movie going experience, and I'm all for it. Number one Keanu, number one Swayze, number one Bigelow, number one Busey, other than his cameos and entourage. All right, number one so I, I'm gonna. Uh, it's the goat for me, and I'm gonna say the same thing. It's the goat action film for me. Um, I love Keanu Reeves. I think that honestly, John, you said something earlier, and not to call you out, but I think that you underestimated just how impactful he is. I mean, he, Keanu Reeves is on the same level as Tom Cruise. I think same level as like Will Smith. I mean, if you go down the roster of his movies, you've got speed point break the matrix which is one of the best sci-fi films of all time now you've got the replacements which is actually probably my goat cable movie watching experience the replacements is incredible also fun fact uh shane falco went to ohio state too so keanu reeves <laughs> is doubled up on ohio state quarterbacks Wait. hardball I mean, just unbelievable movie. Everybody loves Hardball. And now you've got the John Wick series, which is is killing it. I mean, in terms of longevity, and you've got Youngblood, I mean, even though he didn't do much, but in terms of like longevity for a career, like he's been around since, essentially since I was born up to today, he's still doing kick-ass action movies. I love his delivery. I love his acting. On top of that, he apparently is like the nicest guy in Hollywood. And he just seems like such a cool, cool dude to me. I'm a diehard Keanu fan, and this is my favorite Keanu movie. It's my favorite action film of all time. So it's the GOAT. All right. There you heard it. That is Point Break from the movie GOATs. And so now I've done one. Brian's done one. We look to Brady. Brady, do you have a movie for us? Yeah, so we've, we went pretty high testosterone with the last two movies, and obviously I was a fan of both. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, obviously we were in the action genre. I think we've done covered some great ground discussing that. I'm looking for a little pivot right now. I'm thinking, what's something that'll stretch us a little more? And I'm going with a romantic comedy starring Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. And that movie is When Harry Met Sally. So that's what we'll be covering next week. I'm excited. I know John's seen it. I don't think Brian has. I think there's going to be a lot to discuss. This is a movie with, it's a full meal. It's a, to, in the way that, Brian, the way that you you view Point Break being an action movie with a little, little extra juice to it, I feel like this is the romantic comedy that has like, there's, there's layers on, there's layers to this cake. So I think it'll make for a really interesting discussion. I'm very excited, and as always, this is John signing off for Brady and Brian. Vaya con Dios, and thank you for listening.